Hey, this is attorney Elizabeth Potts Weinstein, and you are listening to Legal Lucidity, the podcast with legal trends and updates for small business owners and online entrepreneurs. This is episode one, and today we're going to be talking about how to keep control over the assets of your business and the business itself. There have been some changes with the Patent and Trademark Office, with local states, that actually are going to give you some more control over the assets of your business. But there are still many ways you can lose control over assets, including patents, trademarks, your website, and even the business itself. So let's get into this to talk about what are the problems and what you can do to keep your business safe. First thing we're going to talk about is the Patent and Trademark Office. Recently, the Patent and Trademark Office has started tying patents and trademarks to specific logins. So what am I talking about here? Well, let's say you're going to go and file a trademark application. And let's say you're going to do it yourself or you're going to hire an attorney to do it or have a service. When that application is filed in the online filing system, it is going to be tied to a login. Like you actually have to create a login and log into it to do that online filing. Now with the patent and trademark office, this isn't just creating a username and password. You have to prove your identity to get that username and password to be able to do those filings. Now on the patent side of thing, you can actually do an initial filing without having to do all the identity stuff and logging in but any subsequent filing has to be done. For trademarks, you actually have to create the login at the beginning. So how does that work? To create the online filing login, as I said, you have to prove up your identity and there's two different ways to do that. One is through an online system called ID.me. ID.me has had some problems that have come out in the last months or a year or two because you also have to use, have had to use ID. .me to create a login to use the IRS's systems for tax purposes. And one of the big issues is, does this system, which is an outside private system as a contract with the United States, is it actually taking your information and selling it? Because when you use that system, you have to use one of your IDs, your passport or driver's license, some photo ID to prove who you are. And they look, take your picture and they use that information with your ID to identify you. And it goes into a big database with that personal information. Are they selling it? and letting people put that in other databases to do facial recognition for police departments or whatever. So the IRS apparently is not using, renewing their contract with ID.me is that's my latest understanding, but the trademark office still is. However, you don't have to use that system if you don't want. The other system you can use just a old school paper with a notary. You download a form off the website and then you fill that out and you take that to a local notary by you. You can go to the you know, UPS store or something like that. And then you use that system of notary where you give the ID to the notary and then they fill out the form and notarize it. You don't have to send your ID in. You don't have to put it in some online database. Then you mail that form to the Patent and Trademark Office. It's going to take them a few weeks to process and considering how behind the patent and trademark office has been on everything. I'm not going to even guarantee it's going to be a few weeks. So I highly recommend that anybody who has a patent or a trademark pending or issued with the patent trademark office to go ahead and create an online filing. Even if you have a lawyer or you use in some other system, legal zoom, trademarky or some other uh, application to file your trademarks for you. 
The reason is, is that if something goes wrong, you want to be able to deal with it. So let me give you an example of how this can come up. I have a client where a little while ago, she came to me and said, hey, I think someone is infringing my trademark. You know, we want to send them a cease and desist letter, et cetera. So the first thing I do when the client comes to me and says that is I look up their trademark. Now, in this case, this was someone where I didn't do this trademark for her. She had it done years ago by some other lawyer. When I pulled up that trademark, it no longer existed. See, trademarks, when you file it originally, you have to renew it at five years and then 10 years and every 10 years thereafter. A lot of people who get a trademark don't realize this, I think. And when it comes up for renewal, you actually have a fairly long amount of time to renew. You get a first notice, then you have a year, and then you have more months until you can do a late filing with a penalty fee. But once you get past that, it's not fixable really anymore if it expires. And in this case, what happened is, is that my client's contact information was old that was on their file. There was no email address that was on their file for them. And the contact information for the attorney was old. This lawyer didn't work at that law firm anymore. And unfortunately, when this lawyer left that law firm, they were very irresponsible, in my opinion. And they did not make sure that all the trademarks that they had ever filed were switched over to another lawyer. I would allege this is malpractice, but anyway, they didn't switch it over to another lawyer. They didn't at their at that firm. They didn't take it to the new firm, whatever. They didn't switch it over. So what happened is that all the notifications went to an email address that's no longer valid and my client didn't even know about it. So it's a couple of things you can do. First is you have, a, have login information, so you're able to access your own files do your own filings if you need to. Second is getting your email address put on your file. So you, number one, they can send you stuff. <laughs> they can send you renewal information because it's all sent by email. It's not sent by mail. And then also, so you're CC'd on everything. Now, some clients who actually don't want to be CC'd on everything because it kind of stresses them out. But generally speaking, it can be a great idea that you get a copy of everything that's sent to your lawyer. That way, if your lawyer is in the hospital or if they leave the law firm or if their email address is down, whatever, you're getting a copy of updates from the trademark office on your application. And then also as time goes on on the renewals, so then you don't miss anything. Because even if your lawyer is liable from a malpractice perspective, that doesn't fix the actual problem that your trademark longer, no longer exists. Same kind of idea for patents. You won't, don't want to miss any deadlines. The Patent and Trademark Office is very strict on deadlines. Sometimes you can petition kind of appeal to get things fixed. And sometimes you're past that date for the last appeal and you're just out of luck. So making sure that you have an online filing account and that also your email address is attached to everything at the Patent and Trademark Office means that it's much less likely you're going to lose control over your asset because some only someone else has access and also so you don't lose the asset itself. Second, we're going to talk about website hosting and domain names. This actually isn't a really a new thing. This is something that's been going on for a long time. Most companies have a website and that's one of the assets of your business. If in some cases, the most important asset of your business. Do you actually have control over that? Both the website hosting as well as the domain. Also the content, I guess that would be a third thing, the content itself. What do you own and then what do you have control over? A lot of times small business owners, especially when they're just starting out, will hire someone to create a website for them. Nothing wrong with that. That can be a great idea to delegate that work to somebody else. When you hire someone to do a website, 
you hopefully have a written contract, but maybe you don't have a written contract. Maybe it doesn't say who owns the content on the website. Maybe it doesn't say who owns the layout. They may be setting up hosting for you, registering the domain name. Did they register it in your name or their own name? Did they host it in their name, the name of their company or in your name? I've actually had multiple colleagues who have lost control over their website because of this issue where they eventually had some dispute with the person who created their website or was managing their website, or maybe that person just like disappeared. Maybe they're in the hospital. Maybe they're sick. Maybe they died. And then all of a sudden you can't even get to your website. Maybe you can't even switch the domain name because they, they're the ones that had control over it. This could be the most important asset of your business. So you definitely don't want that to happen. Also, if you don't have a written contract saying who owns the website, it can be a legal mess where it's hard to even do anything legally to get it back. And to be honest, let's hopefully we don't have to file lawsuits against anyone. We want to deal with this logistically so it doesn't even become a legal problem. So what do you need? First, when you have anyone create a website for you, you want to have some kind of written contract that says, what are you getting from an intellectual property perspective and from a plain old regular property perspective? Who owns the design? Are you just licensed to it? Which it can be fine, but you want to know what it is. Or do you own what they created? How the web hosting is going to work, how the domain stuff is going to work. And really you can register your own domain. That's actually fairly simple. There's a lot of places you can do that. You may be giving them access to that information for the domain and the hosting because you need them to set it all up because you're not a tech person, but you need to also have that access. Instead of having them have the only access, the root main admin access, you can give them an user account access that you can shut down if you need to, so they don't run amok or something like that. It's always a good idea from a security perspective to separate things. And so that way you have a main account that you have because it's your asset that you own. And then you have something else just for that person to have access. Think about it like, let's say you buy a house. If you buy a house, your realtor is not the only person who has a key to the house. That is insane, right? Your realtor will have access to the house when the whole transaction is happening. And they may help you with paperwork and stuff like that if you're in a place where lawyers aren't doing the paperwork for buying a house, which is many places. But at a certain point, the house is titled in your name, right? And you're the only one who has the key. You may even get the locks changed so random people don't have keys in the house anymore. It's not your realtor that you have to go through. Now, in some cases, you may still have your realtor be involved. For example, I own a rental house in another city and I have a person wasn't the original realtor, but someone who is a management company type of realtor who manages things, who has a key, who handles a lot of stuff that goes on because it's in a different town. However, they're not the only person who has access to everything. The house itself is in my name. The various accounts are in my name. That's what I'm talking about here. So what do you need to put in place to protect that website and domain name? First, a contract like I talked about saying who owns what. You wanna make sure that you have admin access, user login access to both website hosting as well as the domain name. I would actually recommend registering the domain yourself and handling that yourself, even if you give them access so they can switch things around or they can just give you the information that needs to be put in there to redirect the hosting over to wherever your hosting is. You also wanna lock down that domain. Most domain sites, I think, do this automatically now, but you want it, your domain locked down so no one can just randomly transfer that somewhere else. And if you have GoDaddy, for example, there's, and you look at all your domains and it's in a big chart, there's a column right there that says whether or not it's locked down. I think it's up by default locked down now. This is a different than the privacy stuff that costs extra. I don't think locking down costs extra anywhere. This is just making it more difficult for someone to randomly get into your account and move it. 
Also for your domain and for your website hosting account, you want double authentication if it's at all possible or go somewhere where it's authentication. What that means is that when you log in, you have to use not just the name and password, there's also something that goes to your phone with a code or some other authentication system where you get a code to put in there. It just makes it much less likely that someone's gonna steal your stuff. So now let's go on to the third aspect that I wanna talk about is your business itself. If you have an LLC or a corporation, this legal entity, you want to be sure that you remain control over it, which is kind of an odd thing to think about because it's not like a physical piece of property like a house. You can maintain control over your house. Part of that's the physical control over the house. And then also you want to have title over your house. Now, people have actually had legal problems with losing title over their house through various fraud schemes. And that's a whole topic for a different podcast episode. But it's a bit more straightforward than thinking about your LLC or corporation. In the same way, you want your LLC or corporation to be in your logistical control as well as your legal control. What I'm going to be talking about here are the various government agencies where your LLC or corporation is listed. So when you form an LLC or corporation, you form it in a state in the United States. And so let's say you formed it in California, then you form it with the Secretary of State of California. Now, one thing that a lot of states have now been doing is creating not just online filing systems, but login systems. So you can't just randomly amend a corporation or LLC. You can't just form an LLC or corporation without giving any information. You have to create a login and tie that to the business. This is a good thing from a security perspective because you don't want random people to be able to go in and just change your contact information for the corporation. And then all of a sudden you don't get anything from the company. Now, this was easy to do in a lot of states because there was no tying different businesses to a specific login or name who was the only authorized person to file, or you'd probably want more than one person, you, your attorney, etc. So it's a couple of things that you're going to do. If you formed your corporation LLC in California recently, and I mean last week as I'm recording this podcast in early April, 2022, California set up a new system for all of their online filings. And in that the various LLCs and corporations and other business entities are tied to specific administrative accounts where you create a login for you yourself. So as a lawyer, I have access to a home on my clients where I've done any filing for them recently. And then I also have access to my corporation itself. I also have given access to myself in a personal capacity tied to my personal email address as well for my corporation. So I can do any filings and I'll get notifications and things. So what I recommend for you is if you're formed in California, you want to create a login information at the secretary of state's website for online filing and make sure you have access to your own LLC or corporation. This also applies if you have a corporation or LLC formed in another state and you've registered as a foreign LLC or corporation in California. It may be that right now access to it is only for your lawyer or only for the service that you hire to do that original filing. You want to make sure that it's tied to you personally as well. And you want to do that now before you have to figure out how to get something on file. So you create that username and then you request access to it. And then your lawyer or whoever was the person who originally set it up or has done any recent filings, maybe your accountant, they will grant you access to it. So you can keep on top of your LLC or corporation yourself. I have had multiple clients 
in not just California, but in other states who have created corporations or LLCs, and then their annual filings for some reason didn't get done. Typically what happens is, is that they've moved to a new mailing address, they have a new email address, and it wasn't updated on their account. And the person who got notifications or the entity who got notifications, similar to the trademark issue that I talked to you about earlier, was no longer there. They've changed their email address, they've moved, whatever happened, they're no longer at that law firm, they're not giving the notifications to them. You wanna make sure that you are the one who's getting notifications, even if you have your accountant or your lawyer or some outside service do your annual filings and updates, and you wanna make sure that you also get CC'd on those because if it doesn't get done, it's your LLC corp or corporation that is gonna be administratively dissolved. Sometimes that can be fixed within a certain time frame by paying a whole bunch of late fees. I mean, it can be $1,000 or more of late fees, which for a really small business very much sucks. So you wanna make sure that doesn't happen to you. Also, if your LLC or corporation is administratively dissolved because something wasn't filed correctly and you didn't know, during the time period it didn't exist, you don't have the liability protections. That's like one of the reasons you have an LLC or corporation, so you definitely don't want that to happen. So what should you do? Obviously I talked about getting that user access to it and, and in other states, it's not just California that has that, many other states have that too. You also wanna make sure that your mailing address, your location address, as well as your email address are correct and updated in your file for wherever states you're registered or formed. So that way you get any notifications that you need to get. Similarly with your registered agent, if you use an outside registered agent, which is required in most states require a registered agent, which is some entity that you hire or yourself personally to accept legal documents on your behalf. They should get those communications too, but sometimes they don't pass them on to you because they don't have your contact information either. So you wanna make sure all those different things are kept up to date so you don't lose control of your LLC corporation and so your LLC or corporation doesn't get administratively dissolved and temporarily or permanently ceases to exist. Again, this is attorney Elizabeth Potts-Weinstein. If you've been listening to Legal Lucidity, you can watch Legal Lucidity each week on YouTube, or you can subscribe to the audio podcast in all the various places where you can subscribe to podcasts. Thanks a lot for listening. Talk to you next time.